Okay, so we are here, we are in our Grow series. Last year, uh, Steve did a series on discipleship, and this year, this change is, um, well, it's still on discipleship. There's a slight shift in focus, and that shift in focus is how we can mature in our Christian faith, how we can truly be a mature Christian. And I want to start off with a little story. I first met Hannah when I was 17 and Hannah was 15. And immediately we just really clicked as friends. Okay, I'm not going to lie, I quite fancied her from the beginning. It took a few years of convincing for Hannah to feel likewise for me. But anyway, we we were really good friends and uh, we were in the youth group together at church and I would often go round to Hannah's house, um, have dinner with, with her and the family. And Hannah has uh, two sisters. She's the eldest. And her younger sister at that time, when I was 17, she must have been about nine or ten. And it was amazing for me that, in essence, I was kind of playing this kind of big brother role to uh, Lydia, uh, who, as I say, was about nine then. And I could just be really silly with her play really silly games, just go back to me being a silly boy with her, just run around the guards and just do all the kind of silly things that I, obviously as a 17-year-old and trying to impress Hannah, wouldn't have wanted to do unless I was obviously trying to entertain uh, Lydia at this point in her life. And I remember on my 18th birthday, um, seeing uh, Leslie, which is Hannah's mum, and saying, I know I can be a bit immature, but I'm going to be mature now. And she was like, hmm, all right then, okay, we'll see, we'll see if that happens. Anyway, it carried on, and I would still be very silly, I would still be fairly immature, obviously in, in like a nice way. And me and Hannah started dating when Hannah was 18 and I was 20. And so my 21st birthday, I said to Leslie, I promise now I'm going to be mature this was about a month before I actually proposed to Hannah. And she was like, yeah, okay, all right then. And this has carried on every single birthday until my last birthday when I was 30 in July. And I said to Leslie, honestly, I promise now I will be mature. Oh yeah, all right then, okay. I can be quite silly. I can be quite immature uh, when I want to be. But looking back over those sort of 13 years or so, I most definitely have matured from the point at which I was 17 to the point at which I've been 30. Naturally, I have matured. Certain life situations kind of prompt you to mature quite quickly, don't they? So when me and Hannah got married and we moved into a flat together, suddenly we were responsible for that flat. We had to pay our bills. We had to cook for ourselves. As soon as Zachary came along, you suddenly think, oh goodness, I now have a life that I am solely responsible for. I best be mature. So naturally, one matures. But as well, there's certain times, I think, in life where we have to choose to be mature as well. Like on every birthday, I would choose to be really mature on that one day of the year. And I think this is the same with our Christian walk. And this is, I think, what this whole grow series is all about naturally as we continue in our walk with jesus faithfully reading scripture 
faithfully praying, faithfully dwelling in his presence, faithfully being in the community, worshipping him, we will naturally become more like Jesus. Otherwise, those things aren't actually having an effect on us. But there's also certain times when we must choose to live in a way that is maybe not quite as natural to us. A way that Jesus calls us specifically to live. We have to make the choice to live in a mature Christian way, as well as generally kind of maturing as our Christian walk goes on. Does that make sense? That makes sense about the story I was telling. It's a twofold process. It's a natural thing, but there are times when we must choose, you know, Lord, I choose to live in this way. And that grows us as a Christian. That matures us as a Christian. And that's what this whole Grow series is all about. Namely, the second of those. Thinking about certain topics and thinking, I'm going to choose to live my life in this way. I am going to try and mature in my Christian walk in this way. And last time, Steve was talking about living in the truth. So a Christian who is mature in their faith lives in the truth and the truth sets us free. That was the scripture that uh, Steve particularly dwelt on. Thinking about living in the truth. And tonight we are going to look at living in freedom. And I want to look at it from two angles. I want to look at firstly what we are free from as a Christian. And as a consequence what we can be free for as a mature Christian. So we're going to look at freedom from something in order that we can be free for something. So we're going to sort of split it into two halves. And this is about that second aspect of maturity. We need to choose, particularly the second half, freedom for something. We need to choose to live in that way. But let's firstly look at freedom from something. I just want you to take a moment and think about the times when you feel most free. I'm not going to add any further description to that because I don't want to hamper what you're thinking about. But I wonder where, when, at what time you feel most free. For me... Um, this is going back a few years, not that I don't feel free anymore, but it's just a good example. Um, as many of you know, I used to be a teacher, both me and Hannah, um, well, Hannah still is, but we both used to work full-time before Zachary was born and before, obviously, I started training to be a vicar. And the most free moment in our whole year was that Friday night when we broke up for the summer holidays. Honestly, it was glorious. Teachers do have a lot of holidays. Yes, not going to lie. But in term time, they do work incredibly hard. And in the other half terms, the other holidays, there's not that same level of freedom. But as soon as you hit that six weeks and you think, 
I have got at least five weeks when I'm not going to do anything work-wise. I'll do my work for the following academic year in that final week of the holidays. That moment where we'd get a takeaway, we'd maybe have a, a glass of wine, and we'd sit there and we'd put something silly on the telly and we would, well, actually, we'd just fall asleep. But that freedom at that moment thinking, I've got five weeks. The world is our oyster, Hannah. What are we going to do? That was like the best time of freedom that I could ever feel like. But let me tell you that that freedom and the freedom that maybe you thought of is nothing even close to comparison about the freedom that the Lord gives us. Freedom from something is freedom from sin and its consequences. Yesterday we had the Holy Spirit Day, uh, which is a day in the Alpha Course where we concentrate on uh, looking at who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. But it's a, it's a chance for people, if they haven't already up to that point in the Alpha Course, to give their life to Christ. And we talk about what that involves. And we talk about the fact that we need to repent of our sins, seek forgiveness for those things, and then accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was amazing. A couple of people for the first time did that yesterday. That was such a blessing to see. But that freedom, that freedom that Jesus gives us, and most of us in this room know this, but it's always nice to hear it. The freedom that Jesus gave us by dying on the cross for us and taking away each and every part of our sinful nature. And took it upon himself. All those things that we do that we wish we didn't. And some, if we're perfectly honest, we still don't mind doing. He takes all that sin and places it on his shoulders. And when you feel that release, when you seek repentance and ask for God's forgiveness, a weight lifts off you. Think back to that moment when that happened to you, if it has happened to you. That freedom in Christ because of what Christ did for us. That weight, that burden that lifts from us. I love this quote. This is from uh, an American preacher called John Piper. This is the will of God for you, your freedom. Uncompromising, unrelenting freedom. For this Christ died, for this he rose, for this he sent his spirit. There is nothing he wills with more intensity under the glory of his own name than this, your freedom. Amen. The whole reason Jesus died for us is so that we can be free. We can be free. This is a, a second quote which I absolutely love. Freedom's first instalment comes in the form of salvation. By salvation, I mean the deliverance from guilt from the past, deliverance from sins, 
and from its enslavement. Freedom to call God Father and to enjoy intimacy with him. As Paul puts it in Colossians 1.13, in Jesus we gain our freedom, the forgiveness of our sins. A mature Christian lives in the knowledge of his or her freedom. Lives in the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us. Lives in that knowledge daily and walks, head held high, as a free child of God. How often, and I say this upon myself, how often do we burden ourselves with things? Do we dwell on things that actually if we just gave to Jesus because of the freedom that he gives to us, we wouldn't need to be burdened in that way? How often do we live under something when we don't need to? When we can just give it, give it to Jesus. What I was saying before, a barrier, something that's blocking us. We as mature Christians in the faith can give it to Jesus. And mature Christians know of that privilege, know that they can give everything to him because of what he has done for us. Freedom from sin so that we can live eternally with Christ. And because of that, we are free for something. Because of the consequence of us being free from our sin and all of its consequences, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can live for something. This is my first point on freedom for something. Our lives, as mature Christians, free from and free for, are centred around Christ and his ways, not the ways of the world and our secular culture. Let me read that again. Our lives are centred around Christ and his ways, not the ways of the world and our secular culture. What do I mean by that? Let's think about what our secular culture says to us about how we should live our lives. The list of these could be endless. I've just chosen a few. Secular culture says that we should earn as much money as we can because that will bring us happiness. Yeah? Earn as much money as you can. Have an amazing house. Drive amazing cars. Go out for dinner all the time. Go on three holidays a year. Have your chateau in France. And so on. That and only that will bring you happiness. Hmm? What else does our secular culture say? Gain as much power as you can. Yeah? Rise to the top of your company. Become the CEO. And it doesn't matter how you get there, how many people you squash and tread on. Gain as much power as you can. Is anyone watching The Apprentice? Has any of you seen The Apprentice in the past? Oh, it's like a... Like a cat fight, isn't it? Every single time. They're all trying to gain from everyone else's misfortunes. 
That's what secular culture teaches us to do. What else does secular culture, this is sort of my last point, I say the list could be endless. Don't get married. Don't, don't worry about marriage. Be, be free. Have as many partners as you like. Experiment in different ways in, in that fashion. Don't settle down. Don't get married. Honestly, the pressures that people live within secular society are horrendous. I cannot tell you how glad I am that I don't need to live under those barriers. What does Jesus say about earning money? Well, yes, earn money. He doesn't say not to earn money. But he says that everything that we have is his. So we've been hearing on Sunday mornings, give it away. Be generous with what you have. Use the wealth that God might have given you for the goods of our communities, of our church, of spreading the gospel. Give it away. Money is not what we're aiming for. We're aiming for something else. Gain power? No. Jesus is the only power. So why are we trying to gain earthly power? It truly means nothing. The only power that we should ever want is to be within the power of Jesus Christ. What about marriage? What does Jesus say? He says, get married. Respect people. Love people. Love that one person. We can live in the freedom of being fully the person that Jesus calls us to be. I am so, so glad. Honestly, I am so glad that I don't have to live under those pressures. And people, when I say to them, I'm a Christian, they say to me, oh, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. Oh, but your Friday nights are so boring. There's so many rules as being a Christian. You can't do this, you can't do that. I'm like, praise God I can't do those things. Thank goodness I don't want to aim to have loads of money. I don't want to aim to have loads of power. I don't want to aim to have loads and loads of relationships to try and make me happy. I am so thankful for the blessings that God has given me and the freedom that I can walk in with the exact money that he's given me, with the exact non-power that he's given me, if that's a word, and the fact that, obviously, in my case, I'm blessed with a beautiful wife, which is amazing. And I don't have to sit under those worldly expectations, those secular expectations. I am free to walk with Christ and to live by his ways. So when someone says to me, oh, you can't do this, I'm like, yes, praise the Lord. I'm sorry that you feel like you have to. I can't do this. Oh. Are you with me? We're free. We are free to live in the way that Christ calls us to live. We're free to make the choices that Christ wants us to and to put our wills under his will. Truly for me, I have never felt that I've missed out by not living in that secular way. I am thankful that I haven't had to even try. 
But how is it possible to feel like this? The Christian life is a life of freedom because it is lived in the power of the Spirit. This is 2 Corinthians 3.17. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Christ sets us free by his Spirit. All we need, all we need is the Spirit of, uh, of God living within us. That gives me everything I need. The hole that people try to fill in secular society with money, power, and other things, that hole, for me, is filled by the Holy Spirit. And we read in uh, Ephesians, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you were on the Holy Spirit day yesterday, you heard me say this, but don't switch off. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the language, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't get the nuances in the English language of what that actually means. Really, a better translation would be, be continually filled always with the Spirit. The grammar is not a kind of a one-time thing. It's a, this is a continual process that needs to continue to happen. So that whole is continually filled by the Spirit of God. So I never feel like I have a whole. I never feel like I have a desire to earn more money, to be more powerful, to be with other people. Because I pray to God, fill me anew, fill me afresh with your Spirit. And I try, and I don't always remember to be fair, I try daily to when I get up say, Lord, may this day be your day. May I live the way that you want me to. And Lord, right now, fill me afresh with your spirits so that I am overflowing with your gospel. The spirit is everything that I need. And lastly, this freedom that Christ gives us the freedom that we can live within ourselves, we are free to tell others about it. How selfish would we be if we did not want to share the message of freedom with the secular society? People who are pining over the money, the power, and being with other people. We need to show them how to fill that void in their life. We need to show them who is the only person who can fill that void in their life. Who is it? Jesus. The Spirit's filling people with our lives. This is Ephesians 3, verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, that's us here, not the building, the people here, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We are to go out, as Rob was talking about this morning. We, as mature Christians in the faith, have a responsibility 
have a responsibility to make the freedom of Christ known to people who are yet to know that sense of freedom of living in his spirit. Are we, though, as mature Christians living in that way? Are we, as mature Christians, living in the knowledge of what we are free from? Or are we holding on to stuff? Are we, as mature Christians, knowing what we're free for? I'm thanking God that we don't have to conform to secular society, and that we can live free within the realms that Christ wants us to live. And are we living for telling people about this freedom? Are we truly convicted that this is not just something for me to hold on to, for me to feel the benefits, for me to know of salvation deep in my heart, but for the people that we love? people that we share our lives with, the people that we live near, the people that we work with. A mature Christian knows of that responsibility. This is Jesus. This is from Matthew. Freely you have received. Anyone know what the end is? Freely give. Freely you have received. Freely give. Shall we stand? Being a mature Christian involves making some choices, as I said. Making some choices to live our lives in a different way. Choosing to be mature. Choosing to live in the knowledge of that freedom always and choosing to freely give that over to others.